0: Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? As I'm sure you're aware, 2021 was a long year. Considerably longer than I held that team. And so, I'm mostly taking off the rest of the year. To that end, we'll have two From the Vault episodes in a row. This week's, we're revisiting an interview with Dr. Robert Gruberman. He's the director of his school district's Gifted and Talented program. He's been assessing and teaching gifted children in his district for nearly two decades, and has been a public educator for even longer. This show first published on December twenty eighth, 2018, and now, three years later, it's back again. In this episode, Dr. Gruberman and I discuss ADHD and giftedness through the lens of an academic expert in the field. We talk about what the various components of giftedness are, and where they overlap with ADHD, the social-emotional side of giftedness, how two exceptional kids are affected by both ADHD and giftedness, and how to help kids with ADHD, giftedness, or both manage the challenges they face. All right, let's get rolling. I've always felt that it's a lot easier
1: to describe a gifted child than to define a gifted child. There are in the field a number of different approaches, identification procedures, and descriptions of these children. Uh, Some of the most prominent people in the field have tried to narrow it down a little bit. Ellen Winner, a professor over at Boston College, who wrote a terrific book on very highly gifted, profoundly gifted children, narrowed it down to three qualities, Uh, precociousness, an insistence on marching to their own drummer, and demonstrator rage to master, which simply means they find something, they dig in, and they will not quit until they own every piece of that concept, that subject, that issue. Joe Renzulli down at University of Connecticut, one of these Centers for Research on Giftedness, combines above-average ability, task commitment, and creativity. Uh, The way I look at it is uh, there are two general components. One is the traditional intellectual piece. The other is the social, emotional, psychological bit, which I'll talk about in just a moment, which I think is an underappreciated, undervalued, but quite essential component of what makes these kids gifted. When we're talking about uh, the kind of traits or characteristics that you're looking for in a gifted child. Um, advanced problem-solving, conceptualization, they are insanely curious. They want to know about everything. They're highly motivated. They persevere. They have a real drive to organize or perfect, which can be a little bit much for some teachers and certainly for classmates. The kids are constantly searching for challenges. They have amazing senses of humor, originality, Uh, They love to elaborate, uh, especially when you're talking about their communication skills are quite highly developed, their knowledge base is extensive, their skills in abstract thinking from uh, seeing unseen possibilities, um, establishing rules within domains that others may not have considered yet, uh, identifying all types of relationships, uh, cause and effect, versatility of their problem-solving strategies and when those particular traits are shown to be frequent when the demonstration is quite intense and of a high quality when you see children like this they are working at a very different level in a very different way, both quantitatively and qualitatively. I've long felt that gifted education should be considered a part of the special education continuum. These kids have easily identified learning needs, behavioral needs, that you can't easily attribute to any other uh, factors, and they need to have programs set up to address their specific learning needs. Now, I said there was a social, emotional, psychological component to these kids, which also provides a very clear set of indicators for the behaviors that you're going to find. Um, A very quick anecdote. A number of years ago, a colleague asked me if I would take a look at a, a child, a family friend. And I said, you know, I'd be more than happy to. And they said, well, the kid's only four years old. I said, that's really too young unless they are profoundly gifted. You're talking on an IQ of maybe 150, 160 and up. They said, there's something special about this kid. Please do. Um, I went over, met the parents, and it was able to do some assessment with that child, who surprisingly uh, sat down for 45 minutes and just worked straight through the test. This after talking to me about every world capital. That you could imagine, including longitude and latitude. I was impressed with the quality of the work and how they were able to persevere. But what really caught my eye was when the kid got up and took off after about 40 minutes. And I said to the parents, "Tell me something about the child. Tell me something that's a little interesting that will give me a little more insight." And they said, "Well, you know, he's been obsessed with astronomy for years. We went into a toy store last month." And there were a bunch of mobiles hanging up on the ceiling. And he was absolutely fascinated. He looked at one, then he moved on to the next, and he was checking them out, and then he stopped under the fifth and the sixth one, stared at it, and freaked out. He had a complete and total meltdown. And we don't understand why. And I thought about it for a second, and I said, I'm pretty sure I can tell you why. The lack of consistency and The fact that the ratio between two of the planets in this mobile didn't match what he eyeballed with the others upset his sense of perfect alignment and perfectionism. This is a classic indicator of a highly gifted child who has a very narrow view of how the world and the universe should appear. And it should always be in sync with what the truth is, this deeply upset them. So you have those components of giftedness going on with children like that.
0: So that's playing some ADHD stuff in what you've said already. Yeah. There's a ton of overlap here. You mentioned impulsiveness. I mean, that's that's like one of the core ADHD traits, right? Oh yeah. That idea of marching to your own drummer. There's There's plenty of ADHD folks who do exactly that. Admittedly, some of us try to toe the line a little more tightly than others. Yes. But still, we tend, even those of us who like, who like to be sort of people pleasers and and try to try to march to the drum of everybody else, and I count myself among them, but here I am, a guy with a podcast, doing his own job, running his own company, so sort of a marching to my own drum, or just in the, I backdoored it, I guess. And then that struggle with perfectionism Everybody I know who has ADHD struggles with perfectionism. And
1: therein lies one of the real complexities of the whole phenomenon. What you have are two very different set of behavioral
0: and cognitive phenomenons happening in the same child. Right. And for very different reasons, because the ADHD perfectionism, in my experience, it doesn't come from like a rigid worldview necessarily. Mm Mm-hmm it comes from the gap that exists between the ability of an ADHD person to perform at the expectations of a neurotypical world. Yes, And and our misperception of what perfectionism is, because we tend to see your average to slightly higher performers doing stuff that is really hard for us. And we're like, that's, they're perfect. Like I have to be perfect to meet that standard. That must be what perfectionism is. But it isn't perfectionism actually goes beyond that you you raise a really important point um there is a perception
1: amongst some that adhd and giftedness are two sides of the same coin no they happen to overlap because there are some characteristics and some behaviors that are particular to both phenomenon but it's not as if you can say, I can flip over to one side, I can flip over to another. The the concern, you, if you could um, create a, a, a graph of some part, or maybe a Venn diagram might be a better use for it, um, and you start listing some of the traits that are representative of ADHD and of giftedness, you're going to find very high energy. You're going to find divergent thinking, uh, great enthusiasm, uh, innovative problem-solving, anxiety, social challenges, perfectionism. Probably the the most prominent of these is the intensity. Uh, Gifted kids, and the more gifted, the more intense. They approach everything like a fireball. They just can't wait to dig in, and they'll get lost for hours. If you're looking at any number of gifted children, There's going to be a number who you would say, this doesn't seem like a gifted kid because they're so easily distracted or because they're restless or they're bored, whatever it is. It's not that they have ADHD. It's that some of the symptoms mask or some of the behaviors mask the other behaviors. It can be confusing to parents. Unfortunately, what that does lead to in a lot of cases is a gifted kid is not identified because the teacher or the parent is looking at the symptoms as purely ADHD. Conversely, the other child or the other point of view might be, well, this this child is gifted. So how could they possibly be learning disabled? How could they suffer from ADHD? There's a lot of crossover. And if you're not well versed in both, you might miss one or the other.
0: About how often are ADHD and giftedness presenting together?
1: Usually what will happen, at least in my experience, um, I could give you uh, say, national statistics, uh, what they found for it. But in my experience, most of the kids who are referred, and I have an open referral process. So I have parents or teachers, administrators or specialists who might refer a kid to me. Most of the kids who have already been referred to me have already been identified with ADHD. And I'd say that probably runs 10 to 15 percent in my program, which is probably a little bit higher than the national average. But what we want to do is see over time how those behaviors play out and are impacted uh, by their giftedness. A gifted child, ADHD can be magnified because they're so intense, because they're so driven. And concomitantly, the problems that come along with ADHD can inhibit the child's giftedness and ability to manifest and develop those particular traits that we're looking for. So it's kind of this intersection of the two, and you're trying to find which is which. My my feelings on that is don't boil it down to that. What you wanna do is try to provide some type of services, curricular instructional, behavioral modifications that will allow a gifted child to work through any difficulties presented by the ADHD. Right. A really young child, say six, seven, eight, nine years old, um, if they're gifted and highly gifted, their um incredible brain power and willingness to work right to the bone can often deal with the problems posed by ADHD. But as they start getting older, all the brain power in the world is not going to help them if there's not some plan to address the ADHD as well. So you have to recognize and deal with both of them if you're going to have a successful program.
0: I would imagine that the challenges only get worse. Like I can see younger, younger kids, that willingness to just keep working and plugging away, is gonna be beneficial. And that high intelligence is gonna be beneficial because they're gonna figure stuff out quicker. But as you get older, the role of executive function becomes more significant because you're doing more things on your own, because there's more expectation that you can do things without having the steps explained to you, without getting support on the back end. Yeah. And then that gap between intelligence and executive functioning ability and really executive functioning skills, which can be taught, but that lack of direct instruction around those executive functions often because the kid is so bright. So we don't feel like we need to teach him anything that yeah. that gap can become debilitating. My new phrase for ADHD is, is that ADHD is life on hard mode. So And I think like a video game, right? Where you can pick, do I want to play easy mode, regular mode or hard mode? Like if you have ADHD, you're just playing life on hard mode. There's no getting around it. You don't get to pick easy or even normal. It's almost like you've got a kid who is playing life on hard mode and they feel like they should be better at it, but they're not. That's got to be incredibly challenging. And and that social emotional side of that, the frustration has got to creep up that much quicker. And seeing that gap, more clearly than some of the rest of us with ADHD might, it's got to make them want to give up eventually.
1: It does. I mean, there's two components that, and, and your point is well taken. One of the defining characteristics of gifted child, uh, a gifted child is that they are frequently dealing with something called asynchronous development, where their abilities are all over the place. Some intellectual pursuits or strengths are so prominent so dominant, you think, geez, this is a kid working four or five, six years beyond his peers. On the other hand, this particular ability or trait is so underdeveloped, I don't understand how they can do the work. That will tend to even out as they age. But conversely, as you pointed out, the older you get, if you have ADHD, the problem actually can be compounded and present even greater difficulty.
0: That asynchronous development, where we've got one quality developing more rapidly than another, as opposed to typical kids, where those qualities are kind of developing at about the same pace, that's hard for your average kid with ADHD. So seeing it happening with a gifted kid where there's even more asynchronous development, it's got to be even harder.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, you can certainly um, try to come to some understanding of the child by doing a lot of assessment, a lot of observation. There are some ground rules for how do you separate one from the other, but again, you need to address both pieces. Another uh, part of this is unless you're pretty uh, knowledgeable and well-trained in the field, it's very easy to miss one or both of these kids. Um, a gifted kid might be so bored with trying to wait for his classmates to catch up. She may be stubborn and resistant because she is just so interested in one subject, doesn't want to change, is so um, hard on themselves, self-critical, they're impatient, they may not be interested in details, they could be emotionally very, very sensitive. They can almost act as a, a rowdy, nonconformist, challenging authority. And a lot of these uh, people say, well, gee, there's, this is not necessarily giftedness. This is a difficult child. They're not scoring that highly. Unless you make it very relevant to the child, unless they see the value, as you put a moment ago, they see that it's beneficial to them in the long term, which is something a lot of kids just can't get to, they're just going to turn off. If they also um, are working through ADHD, they may feel doubly frustrated because they can't understand why am I not able to do this? Why can't I pursue this? Why can't I finish this piece of work? They both want to understand. They both want to look for some type of consistency. It's just a basic human feature to look for consistency, just like it is looking for patterns. When they are denied this opportunity, both versions of the kid, it's incredibly frustrating. They don't understand it. Their giftedness allows them to see and understand stuff that most people never do. Unfortunately, if they're frustrated, their self-esteem is going to take a beating. They're going to think they're a failure. There's something wrong with them. It overwhelms them, and they don't know what kind of outlet they might have. They don't know how to proceed. It's really, really tough for a lot of these kids.
0: It's amazing to me how much you're describing just ADHD. The overlap here is intense. There's so much of it. And admittedly, you're describing ADHD gifted combined in in most yeah. of what you're saying. But, but so much of this is also... ADHD. And, and so it gets exacerbated when we have the giftedness mixed into that. Yes. And like that need for how to just, what's the first domino? What's the first thing I need to knock over? How do I start? And why can't I finish? Like what, how come I have all this intelligence, but I can't seem to wrap up this project or how come I just don't care about this thing that I'm supposed to be doing that everyone else seems to care about. And I'm, I find it stupid and unmotivating. And that struggle, that struggle is real. I see, I have so many clients that are struggling with that right now, um, particularly my middle school kids. I've got a, I've got a handful of middle school kids. that are really, really challenged by, I don't care about school. They care about sports. And that's sort of the back door to making them motivated to do school because you can't do sports if you don't do well in school. But I'm also wondering about what we do at home. Do you have any any insight on that side? Like, how do we help a kid that's struggling with this motivation or struggling with understanding why it matters that they write an open response question or solve the math problem? How do we help them draw those connections to the real world?
1: That's one of the keys. When we have kids in school, we have a fairly rigid set of approaches, methods, curriculum. Even though we talk about differentiation, even though we talk about um, how to look at the individual, we tend to focus on a narrow perspective of what these children can do and who they are. We forget that once they get out of school, they go home. The same difficulties they encounter at school are going to pop up in the home. It's up to the, the parents, the caretakers, as well as the teachers and the administrators to personalize their approach to these kids, to work in short bursts. In other words, say to the children, okay, let's set some immediate attainable goals that you can recognize, that you can work towards at home, no matter what it is, if it's schoolwork, if it's interpersonal relationships, if it's trying to solve a problem. When you get a kid invested personally, when you say, what is important to you? What do you think would be a realistic goal to accomplish? And then you make it a routine. The kid has a short-term goal, but they start turning into long-term planning. When you provide the necessary structure and the framework within a kid has um, articulated objectives and works at their own pace at their own speed and starts seeing success, that can turn the world around to them a great deal. Uh, There are all kinds of different factors that you're going to find that are impacting these children but they're common across the school day, across the weekends, the vacations. You simply want to provide all the tools for the children to recognize what they can do, where they can succeed, and start making that a daily kind of a feature. There are a number of more specific type of I guess, traits that you want the children to recognize and emulate but you also want to talk with them. I know that in our program we have kids doing all kinds of work and while they might be working on relativity theory or uh, some of Galileo's early experiments or some type of math problem, it's vitally important for every kid in the program to have the opportunity, which we try to do sometime during a class to talk about what's going on, what are they thinking, what are they feeling, what difficulties are they experiencing, are there other kids who have ideas on how they've addressed this, are there any suggestions for how we might turn a difficult problem, whether it's frustration, resentment, um, boredom, into something more positive. When they see these short-term goals and they start turning them into long-term plans, The kids just seem to take off. They feel validated. They feel recognized. And most of all, they feel like they are participating in their own development rather than saying, here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to deal with it. When you have a choice, it makes a real difference to you.
0: One of the things you mentioned in there that I want to poke around in for a minute is the importance of connecting to their peers around the problems that they're encountering. Yes. This may be a stereotype. I am not a giftedness expert. I'm the ADHD expert on this podcast. Stereotypes
1: actually exist. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And
0: that's why I'm heading in this direction. But I'm assuming that there's going to be some isolation going on for gifted kids. Yes. Sort of because they're intellectually outstripping their peers. Is Is that an area of concern? Very
1: much so. There is a a short story that I read to um, my fourth or fifth graders. Uh, It's a very well-known story by uh, science fiction writer, Ray Bradbury called all summer in a day.
0: I love that story.
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, It's terrible, but it's wonderful as well. Um, And we do a a number of pieces on it, but we talk about first about what it is because the, the very first class, Um, Every year we talk about this is not a class. This is a community. This is a partnership We're all in it to help one another and we can't succeed if everyone Can't depend on everyone else Mm -hmm. and then we talk about what it's like to be the new kid in a program the new kid in a school the new kid in a neighborhood who doesn't feel quite comfortable with other children Then we talk about how they might feel a little bit isolated from some of their classmates. Now, that's that's a stereotype that's not often true. Gifted kids have such acute perceptual skills in terms of interpersonal skills, they can read social contexts so well that they usually very easily uh, mingle with all kinds of children. But there's always some who feel a little odd, a little bit different. We read the story, we talk about it in depth, we do a lot of artwork uh, where we do association, um Symbolic representation like, but one of the keys of the lesson is they have to say, okay, this is what happened. This poor little girl who waited for years to see the sun, she's psychologically and emotionally so frail. She was hoping, hoping, waiting, waiting. It's like your birthday, you're counting the hours down. She was called a liar. She wants to prove the injustice of that. And then she's denied it at the last second, and every single kid turns on her. 20 years later, I have the kids 20 years later write a letter from that girl back to her classmates explaining what happened, how did that affect me, what impact did that have on my later life, on my career, on my relationships, whether I wanted a family. This is a way for the kids to start saying, you know what, there are a lot of parallels to what happened in this story to who I am. And I'm going to have the chance now to say some things I've not had an opportunity to do prior to this and i found not every kid but a number of kids found this incredibly empowering and enlightening and liberating because they would never had a chance to say you know what there's all this stuff and all these feelings i've had i didn't understand now i'm able to actually articulate it and even if only one person reads it i got it out of my system so that kind of approach i found to be fairly helpful for kids who are having a little bit of difficulty trying to get the stuff out and say, this is why I feel the way I feel or the difficulties as I see them, because they are so intense, because they are so driven and because they have sometimes things that are holding them back and they don't understand how or why.
0: That's a great lesson. I'm really impressed by that. That's a really well-designed use of that story.
1: Well, again, it goes back to the, the idea that, um, there is certainly a very strong intellectual component to these kids that makes them who they are but the psychosocial emotional piece is just as big a a part of giftedness and when you're combining it with something like adhd you really have to kind of get fine grain and let the kids get to it. Uh, you, you can't do it for them. You just provide them the, the structure and the foundation or the scaffolding, I guess you'd call it, and they tend to jump on it. Kids will, kids will give you an awful lot if you just give them the chance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: There are three or four areas that you want to look at to try to figure out kids like everyone else are incredibly complex and there's so much variability. When you look at the values and the imagination of these kids, certainly you can look at their personality. You can say, not just the brain, but who are they? Um, What are their relationships? When you try to find the interests and the abilities of the children, don't dictate to the child. Have them show to you what it is there it can be the same with academics as well what kinds of things are they interested in what kinds of things are they going to run away with i guess it's really just kind of opening the door for kids and saying all right what would you like to work on what would you like to discuss what would be a, a really interesting or innovative way of getting to this the anxiety and the perfectionism that gifted kids have is sometimes confused for ADHD, and sometimes the um, inability for the ADHD kids to sustain attention is seen as oh they're they're way beyond the class or they're tuned out. Don't make immediate judgments. Do as much investigation and evaluation as you can before you start working with the kid, and continue that all the way through your time working with them. We try to put children, both gifted and ADHD kids, into a one-dimensional box and say, okay, we know what the problems or difficulties are. Nobody is like that. They're all so multifaceted that if we don't address the difficulties as well as the incredible talents and gifts from every direction, we're shortchanging the kids. So see them like you would anyone else. See them as a whole person made up of So many different parts and work from that end.
0: Hey, you're still here? Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at Brendan at ADHD Essentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website ADHD Essentials.com and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.